I was calling into the Stern Show around the time I kind of started doing stand-up. Yeah. Uh, I was always a fan of Howard, and then and one day I decided to call in and, and got through, and uh, the rest is history. I mean, you were there for his change from yeah. wild, crazy guy to just maturing and, like, you know, no longer throwing ham at girls' asses and, mm-hmm. and interviews and stuff like that. You were there for that whole porn stars. We all shit. grow up. Evolution, we all, right. We all grow up and we realize ham's not cheap these days. Right. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to the X5 Podcast. I hate the way y'all look at me when we start this podcast. (laughs) Uh, First things first, if this is your first time joining us, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you like and subscribe. Uh, I'm David Lanham. I'm your host today, joined by Jeff Allen and Burt Wallace, Terry and Cassio, and our guest of the day is a fellow Alabama native now. He came from the big city. Now he's living in Alabama. Please welcome Shuli Agar. Shuli! Yeah! Welcome! R- roll Tide, my Jews. Where you at? <laughs> <laughs> you were saying before we started that Cassio promised you there's a lot of Jews in this. Oh yeah, state. he does. He says one of the quotes was, "It's they call it Little Jerusalem." <laughs> that was that sales pitch. Yeah. So I go, "All right, we'll be safe." And, uh, all lies. I was like, "Whatever neighborhood you move in, it's about yeah. to be the Jew neighborhood." So, <laughs> I mean, how many times have you had to explain why you moved to Alabama? I bet you're so tired of. I know I've heard you say it at least five times. The story to people here hardly ever. They don't. No, they really know. ask yeah. to people that I knew before we moved here. Every time, every time we talk, they go Alabama, huh? Yeah, wow. yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. Meanwhile, everything behind them's on fire. People, yeah, yeah. <laughs> people, people are stealing their cars. They go, hold on, you're breaking up. Someone just ran off with uh, my belongings. What were you saying, Alabama? That's so odd. Yeah, well. <laughs> The streets got hot where we were at, and uh, and we found this place uh, thanks to uh, Casio and Conrad, and and we came and checked it out, and that was it. It was a no brainer. Uh, how did you meet Casio? I know you told me uh, Casio started telling me he he became friends with you, and I thought it was interesting how y'all linked up. Yeah, it was an indecent proposal type thing. Uh, I no, I, I Grinder works magic, guys. Uh, I met him through Conrad and the whole ad-free shows, wrestling family, uh, a big fan of uh, wrestling, and, and Conrad and I met up first via online. He was a big Stern Show fan, so we ended up hitting it off. Uh, I, I used to listen. He had a, a podcast with Ric Flair, where it was just him and Flair, and I'll never forget the episode where Flair... They were interviewing J.J. Dillon, uh, old school manager, uh, amazing guy. And he's doing, he's promoting a homeless uh, people food drive. And Rick is eating during the interview. <laughs> as he's, and I go, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> glad it, I'm glad he's taking it serious. <laughs> met Conrad. Uh, he was talking about Huntsville since the day I met him. And, uh, and then when COVID kicked off, we were like, we want to get out of here. So we went up here to check it out. Found uh, a great place for the same price that we're paying for a phone booth in New yeah, York. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as a Jew, it was a no-brainer. Made it, made it, made sense. Made dollars and cents. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were so you do stand-up comedy, and I'm sure you're used to doing uh, getting a lot of reps while you're up in New York. Has that changed since you moved back down? Oh, here? big time. Yeah, I mean, you, you 
I basically took now I had a I had a day job, so I wasn't, you know, hitting five, six clubs a night in New York, but I had my home club, New York Comedy Club, that I, I would go to a lot. And uh it was great and but you pluck yourself out of a circuit of where there's a scene yeah. and it's a big difference. And so and and you're out of sight, out of mind. All the people that were there, you're not there seeing them every day. So it's an afterthought. And it's fine. The, the business kind of prepares you for that the longer yeah. you've been in it. Yeah. So And you do have a good club there in Huntsville to to go yeah. up at. Yeah, they've they've been good to me since I got out here. Uh it's it's it, for where we live, it's the only place really right. to do stand up. So sure. the fact that I'm able to go there and work there uh is great. And and the crowds, they remind me a little bit of New York. They're mm-hmm. like Long Island. They're they like to drink. They get yeah. they get a little chatty. I mean, for Alabama, it's a very forward-thinking city, you know. As yeah. Far as, as far as. Yeah. I tell them all the time, none of you fuckers go to church, so stop giving me shit. Yeah. I see you in here. I know, I know the jokes you're laughing at. Don't yeah. act like you pray, all right? Just stop. Just stop. Well, Huntsville, you know, Huntsville's one of the, like, leading cities in the country to move to. Yeah. It's like, it's. Well, a, it's you're a, welcome. Hey, look who, yeah. I was you're about welcome. to say, old trendsetter over here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I gave you a plug on the Howard Stern show, for Christ's yeah. sake. <laughs> Where do you think you this be, all came from? You better, you better get some movement. <laughs> Is he back? I hear he's back in the studio again. I really, and coincidentally, about the time you left the show, I stopped tuning into it and then eventually just took it off of my Sirius XM package. But um, I hear he's back in the studio. He finally got back into, goes back into the city or. Have you heard that? I don't think that's accurate. I don't think he's. I think he went back for some special interview with somebody recently. But other than that, he he doesn't have to. And you know this, as as bad as COVID was, it was like a dream for a germaphobe who doesn't want to leave the house. Right. right. You know, it's it's a recipe for for. It's like your prayers have been answered. Yeah. And so he doesn't have to go back. He's got, I think, like two years left, maybe on this five-year deal, and he's just going to, you know, I don't know if he's going to re-sign again, but it's it's never been easier for him to do a show, to just walk downstairs and, and do it. Oh, yeah. So I don't see him uh, coming back into the studio. I knew when they shut us down that I said to my wife, he's never coming back in that studio again. Right. So, you know, that's when it was like, well, if we're going to be working from home, let's find home. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And New York was on fire, like you said. Like, that's... Literally, you could look out your window. I remember you saying you saw crimes going on right outside your yeah, window. Yeah, I said there was a guy one day I left the apartment and he was taking a shit on the street behind my car. And uh, <laughs> and he wasn't wearing a mask to top it off. <laughs> oh, God. What Hello. A what, uh, what, Hello. Part of, what part of New York did you live in? Uh, Queens, Queens, Astoria. Yeah. Yeah, so we had, we had a two-bedroom, two-bath apartment that we were paying uh, twenty seven hundred dollars a month. Jesus, you yeah. ever go back and visit up there? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually going January thirteenth. I got and fourteenth. I got a couple shows out there uh, with my guys that we do uh, our podcast together in Poughkeepsie and uh, in Jersey and uh, PA. The following month, we're going. So yeah, I go back there. I still have tons of friends there. Bunch of comic friends. Yeah. Um. You know, that's the only thing I really miss is is. Nothing like out. that hang at late yes. night at the yeah yeah it's it's a blast so I I do miss that but uh, I love the peace of mind I mm-hmm. love having a big ass house big ass dog yeah you know what I mean and you can fly anywhere to do shows yeah you know? yeah I'm gonna do hunting 
you know what hunting <laughs> okay what now yeah, yeah neighbor neighbor of mine wants to take me hunting so he's gonna give me 45 minute head start hello come on <laughs> come on you guys are too easy <laughs> <laughs> neighbor playing shoot the jew that's <laughs> <laughs> what i love about it out here they don't even know what jews are it's great i'm just a white guy and uh <laughs> yeah i don't see many hasidics around here yeah um, no you know i tell people all the time i go you don't even know why you're supposed to hate us and that's beautiful. Yeah. And I will help. Yeah. I will help figure that out for you. <laughs> well, that's. I was thinking about that last night. I was like, maybe Shuli can weigh in on this thing going on in the Gaza Strip and stuff. But I, I was tell like, you, the wildest <laughs> thing about it is is the reaction over here in the states to it, uh, and and to have lived 15 years in New York and to see the type of uh, anger and anti-Semitism and hatred going on in the streets, and everybody's just like, hey. You know, it, it is what it is. What are you going to do? Uh, I'm glad I'm, you know, I'd have caught a case by now. I'll tell yeah. you, if, I'd, if I had to walk by one of those protests, I'm, go, I'm going in, dog. Fuck yeah. that. Yeah. You know, I got family there. I got, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, you know, it's a shit show, man. And it's, uh, it's, it's long overdue that something had to be done. Sucks that it had to be this way, but at least uh, now they can go in and finish business and, Hopefully there's a chance for fucking people's kids to grow up without, you know, having rockets fired and homes bulldozed and all that shit. Shitty on every side, you know? Yeah. Sheila's like, nobody's pro Hamas down there. And I'm like, oh, if you're talking about the the dip that you eat with pita bread, <laughs> right. that's all we know about. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Anything past that, you're worrying over our head down here. It's the one thing with uh, Cassie. Anytime you talk politics, it comes back to food. <laughs> I can't have a political talk with him. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, as of today, what is the latest on that situation? Because I, oh, I, geez. I, I, Who knows? I, I, I like tune into the news like once Does every, it, well, month. then they can tune into the news if they want the latest. We don't yeah. know when this episode is going to drop. It could change. So, well, and by the way, you know, peace can't exist. Uh, my mother is pal uh, Palestinian. She passed away. My dad is Israeli. And, uh, you know. He occupied her vagina for 50 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> her God's a strip. Yeah. <laughs> although, although he would say she held him hostage for 50 right, seconds. Right. Hello! <laughs> Topical! Come on! <laughs> We're not going to get that well, It's good anywhere. to see you hadn't lost your chops coming down here and yeah, getting no. up once or twice a month down at Stand Up Live. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it. uh, <laughs> it's, in my, it's in my blood, man. It's all I know, bro. <laughs> so for uh, the holidays, does family come down here or do you go up there? Or what? Uh, no, because they're like Alabama. They're still, you know, like I've had a couple family members come down. They've been blown away by it. My dad stayed with us for a while, um, and uh, he loved it out here. Uh, but yeah, eventually they'll all get here. But you know, they're all dealing with their shit. We're we're living the good life right now. We're very mm -hmm. happy. Kids are happy. Wife's happy. Work is good. I got no complaints. The man. kids got friends in school and everything now. No, no, everybody hates them. But other than that, <laughs> it, is, it is Alabama. There's some yeah. things that still register true. Yeah, you know. So is your family all in New York or all no, spread out? No, they're all spread out. I got mostly on the West Coast. I got a brother in L.A., brother in uh, Washington State, and my dad's kind of staying with all three of us. Just doing the rounds. Yeah, yeah. But you guys spent most of the time in Vegas for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I lived in Vegas for 12 years, uh, worked as a dealer. Uh, a drug dealer? Yeah, and <laughs> casino. Um, no, I did uh, blackjack, roulette, pie gal, uh, worked in the casino for a while. 
failed the drug test. Uh, that was <laughs> the end of that career. And uh, then went into stand-up. I can't believe the drug test you had a fucking Dude, casino? that's what's yeah. crazy. We played them in bands, and they're like, no Carson from the stage. Meanwhile, people are out there, you know, spending their entire paycheck, and they got no problems with that. But um, Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's what they had. They, so in Vegas, they have uh, a hair test that they do oh, so. oh six months ago. six months that's like your t- first twitter dog it right. goes back a long time <laughs> yeah okay? it goes back like, like five will, years yeah they will find some shit man yeah. and uh and my buddy who uh, was a dealer with me he, we got asked to go do a random test the following day and you just quit no no <laughs> i would have but my buddy goes i know this stylist you know uh she's done this before for a buddy of mine you give her 150 bucks She'll strip and bleach and kill all the chemicals in your hair. Yeah, that and, shit don't work. Well, I'm high. I don't know. That. <laughs> yeah. It was a test. That yeah. was your test right there. Sounded like a good idea. We're smoking a blunt talking about this going, all right, let's do it. So we go after work, and she hooks us up, does her thing. And I wake up the next morning uh, to go take this test, and I walk by the mirror, and I see I have like a like a light. Uh, purple, like you ever see the Golden Girls? Like uh, <laughs> a room, I look, of yeah. Hair. <laughs> I look like I look like one of the Golden Girls, and I'm like, fuck it, no turning back now, you know. And I go to the clinic, and I'm sitting across from this woman, and I'm just fucking bullshit. You know, this is all she hears all day long is people bullshitting her, right? And I'm just going and going, <laughs> and she just cannot stop staring at my hair the whole time I'm talking. And when I finally shut up, she goes, you ready? I go, yeah. And I lean forward, and she takes the hair from my arm. She doesn't even touch my hair. (laughs) (laughs) Fucked. You look like Slim Shady over there. Oh, yeah. You look like B. Arthur Shady. You got real quiet, I bet, right there. Oh, it was was a quiet car ride home, I'll tell you that, with uh, eggplant-colored hair and uh, the realization that I was about to fail this test. and then uh, a day or two later, I was on the floor dealing, and uh, the pit boss comes over. Big, fat piece of shit, this guy. <laughs> he used to smoke a cigarette. The cigarette would be in his finger here, and yeah. he and he would put it around his whole face like he was trying to smother himself. It really pissed me off. <laughs> I mean, everything. Everything. Crazy. And he walks over to me, and he goes, uh, I get tapped out, and I, and I go to leave, and he goes, uh, you failed your drug test. Clean out your locker. And I go, we have lockers? He goes, get the fuck off the floor. <laughs> that, was, that was the end of my dealing career. Did y'all ever lose a, lose a job to a drug test? Uh, uh, no. No, I've been in bands my whole life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's right. <laughs> that's why I went into stand-up. That's why you, that's what you, say, you choose jobs that don't have drug tests. Right. But that wasn't the last, the last job I had after that that didn't drug test, oddly enough was I was a wheelchair pusher at the airport. I was about Vegas. to say, I, I knew you were ended up at the airport, and, yeah. I, and the whole time I was going, you got fired from the casino for drugs, but you upgraded to an airport position no. that doesn't care about oh, drugs. They'll, no let, drug they'll let any piece of shit work at the airport. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> if there's one thing you learned about Way, way to bury all of our friends yeah. at the airlines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're Just called them all pieces of shit for <laughs> no reason. So is that a job in its own? Pushing wheelchairs? Yeah. Like that's yeah, a specific job for that? Yeah. 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 Did you not know your, that? your clients are nothing but fat pieces of shit. <laughs> yeah, they're just lazy. They're walk. not handicapped. They're lazy. Right? right? Like, I've saw, I've seen a hand... Like, we have a special wheelchair for actual handicapped people. It's an aisle chair. It's a much more narrow wheelchair that, that you have to in? strap their, their legs into it and yeah. bring them onto the chair. And you have to physically pick these people up and put them in their chair. That's for handicapped oh. people, Okay. 
Fat, lazy people, that's what 90% of the... Because handicapped people don't want your help. Right. I, I watched a guy with no legs walk off the plane last like a gorilla on his knuckles till he got into the jetway and fucking gets in his wheelchair and hauls ass up the jetway. and With and, no help. No, I'm his girlfriend. I'm towing his bag like his girlfriend. <laughs> like a bitch. <laughs> like an asshole. <laughs> And this guy, he's, he's slaloming through the airport, cutting people off. I'm running after him. Goes to the taxi line, backs up into the fucking lift. And, and as it's coming up, he's, he looks at me and he goes, don't let anyone tell you you can't do anything. And it, you're like, I know. I see fat shits all the time. No, I wanted to tell him you wouldn't have your fucking luggage if it wasn't for me. <laughs> like you fucking pulled this off by yourself. You didn't. You one-man show. Yeah. Like, you had some help, uh, you know. Isn't that what those carts for at, at Walmart? 90% of it's just for lazy people. Well, that's the right? thing. They don't, they want, they, they, I can't tell you how many times, and that airport at the time was carpeted, okay? So you're talking four to 500 pounds of flesh <laughs> in a wheelchair on carpet, dude. It's it's like riding a bike in the sand. You ever try that? <laughs> so you were in shape doing this. And in shape, I'm 150 pounds with my keys and cell phone. I'm covered in sweat, like like Shaq at the free throw line. And they, and they look at me and they go, "Can you swing by the Cinnabon?" And I go, "No, <laughs> no." Wait, add another four pounds yeah. to your. <laughs> Have you ever heard this word before? No. How about that? <laughs> You just roll, typically you just roll them down. They get there and then they get their fat ass up and walk into the plane. Well, there was there was a time where this was like one of the biggest people I ever had, and uh, and we get to is with the A B gates and there's this there's this incline for about I don't know three feet four feet, but it's an incline right, and I and I'm at the start of it, and uh, and the guy looks at me and he goes, you want me to get out and walk, and and my first I was like. None of us would be in this situation yeah, yeah. if you just did that like everybody else. Yeah. But there's a human in me that I'm like, I kind of feel bad. So I go, no, no, no. I go, I'm going to get you up. Don't worry. And I turn to the TSA guy and I go, is there an elevator that goes up four feet to uh, flat, to flat surface, you know? And the guy's like, no. And I, like a sprinter, <laughs> I just charge this fucking wheelchair and I rush, you know, and we get up the incline and he's talking to me the whole rest of the way to bed. I can't say a word. I haven't caught my breath yet. I'm completely drained of energy. And of course, he goes, there's a Burger King on the way to uh, <laughs> Carousel 4. I wanted to just fucking tip him over. And, and not only are you having to push people, you're having to, you're having to constantly yell, excuse me, please excuse me, because people are in yeah. front of you, right? Oh, I just clip fuckers. I didn't give a fuck. <laughs> for, me, for me, I was doing stand-up at the time, too. So part of the the... Love of that job. The only thing I loved about that job was that I had a captive audience to try bits out on. You know what I mean? They're oh, yeah. not going anywhere. Right. I'm gonna run some jokes by you. See what you're <laughs> you know? Were they fat jokes? Uh, no, I save that for the stage. I did. You know, some things I don't need to test to know they work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I had I had a lot of passion in that. Uh, yeah, but. I mean, it, it was a fucking crazy job. I saw crazy shit at the airport. And people are insane. Some people do that shit just so that they can load the plane earlier. Yeah, that's the only reason yeah. they do it. So that's they the only the reason. They want to board first. They want to get through security faster. That's it. 
Yep, so, so make I it make change. it a fucking fifteen dollar tip minimum. Done. <laughs> I got yeah. people pulling out like I'm at an arcade, giving me quarters and shit. I'm like, what? I was a human engine for you. Yeah. For the past fifteen minutes, <laughs> you can give me eight quarters. <laughs> I don't have to sell drugs anymore. This is awesome. It's on carpet. Asshole. Have fun. Have fun at the airport arcade, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like so you know, but they didn't drug test at all. I would I would be in my car getting high, and they'd be they'd be like. Unit 8, Unit 8, we need you at Bravo 19. And they'd go, bring a galaxy chair. Galaxy chair was for the fattest motherfuckers. <laughs> or right. It sounds like it. So, that sounds like yeah, the fattest guy chair. So galaxy. I would just be in the car and go, oh, galaxy chair. That one's going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> so you were doing stand-up when you got picked up on the Stern Show, right? Yeah, I was calling into the Stern Show around the time I kind of started doing stand-up. Yeah. Uh, I may have started a little bit before that, but I I was always a fan of Howard. And then I was on the West Coast. I was in Vegas, so I didn't get home till about 1 o'clock in the morning. The show would come on live at 3 on the West Coast. So I would just stay up a couple hours yeah. and listen to the show. And, uh, and, and one day I decided to call in. And, and got through, and uh, the rest is history. I mean, you were there for his change from yeah. wild, crazy guy to just maturing and, like, you know, no longer throwing ham at girls' asses and, mm -hmm. and interviews and stuff like that. You were there for that whole porn stars. We all shit. grow up. Evolution, we all, right. We all grow up, and we realize ham's not cheap these days. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was there for two changes, leaving terrestrial radio and, and satellite, this mm -hmm. big new thing that he single-handedly saved you know um to uh to to yeah now the mainstream guy yeah yeah i was shocked i remember getting to tour the uh studio in like 06 or 07 and i was shocked at how tiny it was like it wasn't yeah. much bigger than this studio and it looked on camera to be so big and you got in there and it was just really you're right across from each other you know? well they also revamped it too i think like uh six seven eight years later or something they they gutted it once new new management came in they kind of changed it around a bit yeah it's i mean it's listen man it's it's uh crazy as a fan for as many years and just a fan of radio in general uh i can't tell you how many times i'd be in there when the show wasn't on and just standing in there and just be like holy shit like, yeah i know this is the spot yeah you know? They had a scale in the floor when I was in there. Yeah, they had a hidden scale. People were like, how much you weigh? And you go, oh, 180. And it's just behind you. you can't see it. <laughs> the, the real weight. <laughs> Brilliant. A hidden scale. Yeah. Uh, so we got, I mean, we, we can talk about, all, uh, David, are you the, uh, is he the only Stern fanatic? I was. Were y'all? Um, no, I mean, I've, I've listened I'm, to Stern. I mean, I, yeah. Everybody's listening I'm to I'm average. I'm just the average guy. You're not in Like, I remember David, David and Conrad were, you hop in the car and it's Howard Stern going. I mean, it, and you, this kind of leads to where you are now, though. Uh, you, you had that career with them, and he has, I mean, his listeners are army fanatics. I mean, they are, mm -hmm. they're in, and, but you kind of, as the evolution, you've now have. I feel like you got the Shuley Army now, dude. <laughs> it's it's wild, man. We uh, so talk about what you're doing now. So people, you left. You decided yeah. to to disengage. Yeah, I I, uh, I wanted to do a podcast and and tried to work out a deal with them. Uh, 
didn't work out with management, so I just left and started my own podcast uh, on my own. Did that for like a year, did okay, um, and then was like, hey, I'm in a position to work with friends again that I couldn't work with for whatever reason. Uh, the main one being I couldn't do anything on my own. Once you're under that umbrella of Howard, you got to basically do what they tell you to do, and that's that. So uh reached out to an old friend, Reverend Bob Levy, legendary comic, uh, brought me on the road when I first came to New York, even before I started touring with Howard, uh, working for Howard, put me on tours and, and uh, really got to learn a lot uh, working with him and, and playing these huge shows that for my level at the time, I had no business being there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, guys like Mike Morse, another comic, he's a, a roast writer, wrote for Lisa Lampanelli uh, on all her great roasts. He wrote a lot of classic song parodies for Howard. Uh, those two guys, we used to do radio back at Sirius together. We did a show called The Miserable Men Show. Um, and I wanted to hook back up with them because I just wasn't having fun doing it on my own. I wanted, that's why I got into comedy. I want to be able to work with my friends, you know, yeah. so... We started doing uh, Miserable Men. We started uh, doing more and more podcasting together. And then uh, we got into a little show called The Uncle Rico Show, where <laughs> this is a show dedicated to a gentleman by the name of Stuttering John Melendez. Yes. <laughs> Stuttering John is an old school Howard Stern Show legend. Uh, he left the Stern Show to go work as the announcer for The Tonight Show. And uh, since then has single-handedly solidified the most unlikable person on earth position that <laughs> I've never seen anyone like it. And this guy for years had had a bug up his ass about me. I'm not sure why. I never badmouthed the guy. I never said anything about him. But I think it came down to the fact that he was no longer at Howard and I was. And he remembers me as a guy calling in that he had to put on hold. He'll forever see you that way. Correct. Right. And and I turned, you know, being a caller into 15 years working for the greatest radio show of all time. Uh, and I think that bothers him. So yeah. he tried numerous times to get me fired from my job, uh, spreading lies and rumors about things and just talking shit whenever he had the chance. We had a, a live show from L.A. The Stern Show went out there. He showed up in the lobby. Uh, tried to interview me and ambush me, you know, so he's always had his thing for me. And, you know, bullies pick on the people they think they can, not sure. the people they should or would, right? So uh, it got to a point where I was like, fuck this guy. Um, I'd done a show, a friend of mine, uh, Carl, has a show called Who Are These Podcasts? Uh, it's a great show. <laughs> That's what I say. That sounds great. <laughs> uh, where they have got, you heard about it? Uh, uh. Explain oh. what who who's your so part? each week uh, an audio, a fan suggests a podcast for them to listen to, and by listen to they mean roast pull them. clips yeah. and roast yeah. the fuck out. <laughs> right? Yeah, of course. And it's a brilliant show, and he's got a huge following and a huge fan base. And every episode they would do a twenty to thirty minute segment on Stuttering John. And I would show up on his show and do his show. And every time John came up, I would say, you know what? I'm taking the high road. Of course. I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> fucking deal with this asshole, blah, blah, blah. And then finally one day I'm like, fuck it. Why am I, why am I not doing anything? Yeah. Let's get some ratings going. <laughs> so I got Bob Levy and Mike Morse, two of the best uh, in the moment comics that I know. 
And the show became, each week, we had clips, which later evolved into a full video package prepared by a producer that none of us have seen. And we watch it in real time, and we roast the fuck out of Stutter and John. And <laughs> it's just that simple. It's not anything, you know, it's not anything personal. It's literally us uh, watching what he puts out. We're not putting hidden cameras anywhere. We're not trying to fuck with his life. But he's a guy who's so delusional and narcissistic that he reacts to everything. He believes everything. Mm-hmm. He's a very, uh, very fun target, I guess you could say, to play with. And some people say, oh, you're being a bully, you're being mean. Just go watch him. Just yeah. go watch him. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Just go watch We call it the Uncle Rico show because much like Uncle Rico, he's living in the past right. every day. You know, I was this, I was that, I made this, I made that. Meanwhile, you ain't doing shit now. And I was about to ask you what, and that—he's not doing shit now. Right? Nothing, nothing. But you should book him for this. I would love to walk through that door and surprise that motherfucker. <laughs> yes, that would be the best. I'm on it. I'm fucking on it. But, uh, <laughs> he's like picking up his phone right I'm now. I'm fucking on it. But yeah, so so this show there, there there's a world out there known as the Dabbleverse, and the Dabbleverse is dedicated to John. It's a Reddit forum, Dabblers Anonymous. <laughs> where they talk about John 24-7. They uh, dissect John. And and we started doing this show, and this Dabbleverse just loved the show, and we loved doing it, and it was so much fun. And we've done it for a year now. The, the channel's grown by leaps and bounds. We do a morning show now that's not John-related, that, you know, it's kind of like, uh, like Nelly. You know, when Nelly broke out, all of a sudden the St. Lunatics came up, yeah. right? right? Nobody knew the St. Lunatics before <laughs> Lenny showed up. Right. Lenny, Lenny, whatever his name is, the Band-Aid guy. Anyways, yeah. they, they, that's the thing. The Uncle Rico show brought in so many people that were like, okay, now let's do an actual show that we want to do and like to do uh, that has nothing to do with this idiot. Yeah. So both shows are doing great now. The channel's doing great. We got the BS show in the morning. We got Uncle Rico in the afternoon. We're on five days a week, sometimes six. Uh, the the fans uh, are super loyal and supportive, and and um, yeah, we're just we're digging it. Man. I've watched a handful of those episodes, and I thought I just happened to tune in every time when y'all were ripping on them. And I was like, "This is great, man!" I just come in at the perfect time every yeah. time I watch an episode. They're talking about some shit, but you also cool. watch, like he said, just go watch John. And you'll go, man, they shouldn't be making fun of him. And then you watch it and you go, well, how can you not? Yeah. <laughs> like, how can you not make fun of this guy? Because he he takes himself way too seriously. Here's an actual quote from him. He goes, I'm intelligent, I'm entertaining, and I'm modest. <laughs> That's the quote. <laughs> That's third line. That third line is just like, of course you are. Of yeah. course you are. And he'll say stuff like, hey, I don't do this show for the money. He goes, I don't need the money. And then five <laughs> minutes later, somebody will super chat him $2. And he goes, hey, I saw you on another show giving 50. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, it's just, it's fun to watch him contradict him. Like, like uh, Carl says, it, every step he takes, he keeps stepping on a rake that he laid out. <laughs> <you know? laughs> That's a great example. Yeah. His, uh, uh, his eulogy show the other day was oh. amazing. 
We had Ralph uh, Howard, stylist and and friend, passed away uh, sadly. Oh yes, I heard that. And uh, John did eulogy that was like one one of the worst things ever. I saw a video once of a guy slapping a dead body in an open casket. That <laughs> might be a little worse than what John did. <laughs> but he's just like, uh, yeah. What can I tell you about Ralph? Not everybody loved him. Yeah, you know? he goes. Uh, do I know if he was gay? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this is his eulogy? This yeah. is his eulogy. He goes, uh, but, you know, uh, what, what are you going to do? You know, that's Ralph. All right. God bless. <laughs> the way he talks, it does not sound like. Oh, he's like got food flying out of his uh, mouth. He's <laughs> drinking a beer. Like and he was announcer for The Tonight Show? Yeah, well, he was there when I was there. Yeah. yeah. But what was funny is he was he got hired as the announcer, and, and the rumor has it. And uh, this guy, Mike Walker, used to write for the National Enquirer. He wrote a book. Uh, like a tell-all book, uh, and and there was a thing in there about John being hired by Jay Leno. Now, Jay Leno and Howard had a rivalry back in the day, mm-hmm. and a lot of people felt that John was a, a fuck-you hire from Jay to Howard. But like, really, it's the opposite. <laughs> well, look, I mean, what, what he was offering money-wise for John was insane, and, yeah. and I don't fault John for taking that offer. It was sure, half a million yeah, yeah. dollars for a guy with a young family. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Uh, but what's interesting is the the theory is, is that they thought John going out and interviewing celebrities on the red carpet, that was all John uh, writing and asking the questions. But in fact, it was Howard and Jackie and Fred who wrote all the yeah. questions. Yeah, the back office did Right, and John had the balls to go in there and ask it. That's definitely not an easy thing to do, and he was great at that. Um, but I think the, the story goes that once he got there, they realized they bought a lemon, and they were like, <laughs> the, he doesn't write any of these fucking things. And he's the only announcer that I know of in any talk show history that was seated in the audience during the show. He, <laughs> he was. He was, yeah, he was like in the third or fourth row. He was right, right dead center. Yeah, right, just sitting there with a mic like this. Why was he there? <laughs> well, I did the announcing there. That's you know. just where they put him. Oh, okay. It's like the guy in office space. They just moved him somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just Sit here and read these lines. Never yeah. the corner office. Yeah. But I mean, look, good for him for fucking making it there and doing what he did there. Nobody's taking that away from him. Also, nobody's talking about it every day except him. So yeah. that's the funny thing is like, you know, he's in a shitty one bedroom apartment and he's going, you know, I succeeded in life. And it's like <laughs> past tense. When did, his, when did his career with that show we end with uh, tonight's show when Jay left? I don't know yeah. if he made it the whole time when, uh, till Jay retired. I'm not sure either. Had to be close though. Cause yeah. when I was there, there wasn't many years left. Yeah. I think Ended he tells up. a story of like Jay paying what, NBC didn't want to pay for the last six months of people working there. So I think he stayed there yeah. towards the end. But, you know, he's just a guy who leaves a wake <laughs> behind him of like, there's, you know, everybody that was his friend for the most part is not his friend anymore. He's a big drinker these days. That ain't helping. Mm-mm. And uh, and he probably is his own worst enemy, you yeah. know. We offered to go to rehab with him, so he turned us down. We said we'd all go together with him. He didn't want to do it. So, you know, <laughs> think of that content. All of us in rehab together. Oh, my God. Oh, he that, should, that should be a show. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. That, there's your podcast right there. I tried talking Dr. Drew into it, but. <laughs> you still talk to Richard Christie? Yeah. So. Yeah. Richard's my favorite. Is he still drumming or is he just do the show? That's it. Oh, he's still drumming. Absolutely. That guy, 
He's he wants, a badass, dude. He once took me, he goes, hey, I'm going down to uh, Electric Ladyland Studios today to meet with Chris Adler from Lamb of God. You want to come? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so we go down there and... and Chris Aller is just fucking, he's just amazing. And he just finishes up something and, and just the studio itself being there is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. And then he asked Richard to jump on and Richard jumps on and just fucking, I mean, people have no clue. I don't think, I let people in, in the industry know. Yeah, I was about to but say. But like people, he he's like one of the best drummers in the world. Richard. Like speed like, metal, like he's, total He's unbelievable. Man. And he finished like a two, three minute just, shred and he gets off and chris adler's like i'm not following that yeah. <laughs> wow awesome. wow man uh richard would when he goes to see his favorite bands he'll wear diapers to the show and just mm -hmm. drink like a fish and just piss in his diaper so he doesn't miss one i don't want to miss my favorite song <laughs> is that not the craziest <laughs> <shit? Awesome. laughs> we went to uh a mono marth a couple times together me and him yeah. Uh, love the Viking death metal band. Oh, is that who that is? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. it's my daughter. Yeah, I was about to say, Terry knows about that. It's my daughter's first concert. She really? Was, she she used to listen to the music when I listened at home, and she liked it. And they were coming to New York, and uh, the the uh, Brian uh, Slagle from Metal Blade. I asked him for two tickets for me and my daughter. And uh, and we show up to the will call, and everybody in security's like, "Should we arrest this guy? Yeah. <laughs> Bringing a fucking little kid this in here? This is trafficking, I believe." Is what and we walk right. in, and uh, as soon as we walk in, every fan was like, "As soon as they saw, it, they're like, yeah, they're like, new blood, you're yes. raising one, new blood, new blood. Yes. the only female at this show." <laughs> and then we go backstage, and and the lead singer Johan is there. He's like this six foot four, you know, yeah. Swedish like huge Viking. long beard, Viking to the T. And he walks up to my daughter. She's six, and he goes, "Hello." <laughs> <laughs> Do you like skulls? <laughs> and she's like, uh huh. And he goes, Would you like to see some of the skulls we will have tonight on stage? <laughs> he was totally comfortable talking to her. Yeah. yeah she, well, that's the thing that I didn't realize. Everybody there in the band is a dad. They all got oh, kids. Are they? Yeah. So it's like, as soon as I brought her back there, everybody was so nice to her. That I got a picture of her with a Viking sword and, and the skull and, and metal horns with Johan. Like, it was great. She, and we just, I just took her to uh, Nashville. Uh, Monomarth was playing with Ghost, and I took her oh, to that, that show. Oh, that was a good show. Yeah, and we got to see them again. So she loved it, man. And she really dug ghosts too. So man, I keep missing them every freaking time they come. They ghosting you? They ghosting <laughs> me. <laughs> now every time they come, I got some shit going on where I can't go to the concert, and it makes me in, just infuriates because I want to see them so bad. Sounds like an excuse to me. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> cop out. Anyway, speaking, yeah. Of, yeah. speaking of his daughter is hilarious. But I mean, both of his daughters are hilarious. Yeah. But man, they are. They're miniature shoelace. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Are they interested in comedy? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. She she does impressions. She does she does a great tan mom like her dad. <laughs> oh my God. Speaking of, she's yeah. still kicking? Oh yeah. She's running for I'm running for us Senate. God, in I, Florida. Had, I had thought about tan mom and Florida. I'm working on an animated series about her with uh Tim Stack. TV's Tim Stack, as yeah. they like to call him. 
him and I are working on an animated series about the life of Tan Mom. Can you, go, you can go anywhere with that shit. Absolutely. If you just follow her real life, it's entertaining. Well, that's the thing. You don't have to make any. You have the right shit. Her real life is a cartoon. Like, is she still married? Uh, no, her husband passed away. Uh, okay. But, you know. I'm single, oh, and yeah. I'm on the prowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she's like, it's a car. I remember one time when I was working at Sirius, I just called her to kind of check in, see if there's anything going on, because I was like the go-between the whack pack and the show. And uh, I call her, and she, she goes, hello. And I'm like, hey, Patricia, what's going on? Oh, my God. The fire department's here. <laughs> Where does she live? Police. Uh, at that time, she was in New Jersey. Now she's in Florida. And I go, uh, wow, is everything okay? She goes, I don't know. <laughs> she goes, I get out of the car. You sound just like her. Like, this is not a close representation. Yeah. That is her fucking voice. She like, goes, I get out of the car, yada, yada. It rolls into the house. <laughs> she's like, I don't know. <laughs> you, yeah. you stay in touch. Has anybody been in touch with Beetlejuice, by the way? Yeah, he actually, oh, a few months back, uh, he's in Atlanta. His mom's like taking care of him. I think his sister, he's staying with his sister who's taking care of his mom and him. Uh, so he doesn't do a lot of uh, public appearances these days. That's a shame because wouldn't that be a legit revenue stream for him? He just can't be trusted on the Well, he's, no, it's not even about that. He's First of all, he's got a whole rebirth on TikTok of... Of so oh many, yeah, that I've seen. so many fans that don't even know him from the Stern Show. Yeah, yeah. Um, about being high. That, that <laughs> yeah, just everything. He's he's uh, you know he's got so many memes of him. He's, he's very yeah. popular yeah. Um, more now more than ever. And but I don't think his sister wants him out there. There's uh, questions about his health. When I talked to him, uh, he FaceTimed me um, a couple months back, and I got to talk to him. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I love that dude. If you would have told me one day that. Years later, I would miss rooming with Beetlejuice. <laughs> Dude, that seems insane. Man. I'd be like, you're out of your fucking mind. But it was some of the craziest moments of my life. I was about to say, get, what is the craziest thing that happened with you rooming with him? Uh, I mean, he tried to he tried to walk back to New Jersey one night at three in the morning when we were in Dallas. <laughs> Pitching a fit or something? Yeah, he got drunk. So we used to we used to do this move on the road, me and Bob Levy. <laughs> We we used to make sure that if anybody, if we were doing shots, bring him Pepsi in a shot glass. Don't give him alcohol. Because when he gets drunk, he gets angry. So oh, man, we, would, we would just kind of fake it with him throughout the night. But there were fans that would get him shots, and those were real shots. So this one night in Dallas, he was just... <laughs> He was on it. Fuck you, man! I don't need this shit. You know, and he's packing his backpack and puts. And y'all done nothing to him, right? Nothing. He's just angry about whatever's happening. And listen, I watched ESPN Classic with him one night, uh, Ali Foreman, and he's just telling me how he trained both of them, and he's he's walking me through the training regimen. For both and you're just a yes man every time. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah, like. Yeah. And he's telling you stuff's about to happen. That uh, he's like, watch this, watch this, a dragon gonna come in, burn them all up. You know, and nothing happened. And uh, doesn't happen. And then, yeah, and then he puts his backpack on, and it's like it's packed to the like the zippers holding on for dear. You look like a snail. It was just this little guy with a huge shell on the back. And he and I'll never forget. He walks out the hotel room door and he goes. Tell Balibi, fuck you. And he and he has a pimp goblet in his hand that says pimp on it. And Ryan says, 
<laughs> three o'clock in the morning, Holiday Inn, you know, and I'm out in the in the street with him going, B, now I have to explain to him the Dallas and New Jersey and how he's not going to walk back. And after about a half hour later, uh, he was back in the room. And that's what I knew. I'll be all right as a dad, you know, if I can handle this. <laughs> yeah. This is like an extreme child. Yeah, yeah. What did, he, what did he pack in that backpack? Was it everything, like just everything. shit he never in a million years would need? And he would he would wander off uh, in the daytime and like he's a salesman's dream. You understand? He walks into a shoe store, and, like I've seen it. He's come back. He's like, I got sock spray. He's like, I got sock. Like they're just selling, <laughs> they're selling him everything. And and he would always have a fat knot of cash on him because he had merch. And he would, he would. Who handled his merch? They can't be. Well, we did. I was about to say, it had to have been y'all. Yeah, we did. Absolutely. But he would come back with a cell phone one time that he bought. You know, one time he had a fish in a bag, uh, (laughs) but not like in a package, just like, like, like plucked out of a body of water, (laughs) just laying on ice in a bag. Wouldn't it make you nervous? He'd start wandering, knowing he has an appearance that he's paid to be at that night. Yeah, yeah. People have lost him. He came back with a tattoo, a Howard on his arm once. Like, uh... (laughs) I can't imagine, dude. Yeah, the funnest times of my life. There's one. There's a YouTube. uh, We used to do a show on Howard TV called On the Road with the Killers of Comedy, and it was it was Howard TV just followed us around on the road and. There's an episode on YouTube of them waking me up going, you know, our promoter Sequoia at the time, it's California, and he's like, bro, listen, bro, something kind of happened. I turned my head for a second, bro, and he was gone. But I found him, but there's a little bit of an issue, bro. And he, he unveils a portrait on Beatles' arm of Howard's face. And I'm just like, oh my god! I go, this is a disaster. It's still there, I guess, huh? Yeah, yeah. Wasn't fake. <laughs> no way. One airbrush. Yeah. This is the first thing you think is I got to tell a sister like this is not going to set well with her. Yeah, my whole thing. The reason why I roomed with him every weekend is because I'm like, some we got to make sure he comes back with us. Like we're right. Not, you know, <laughs> At a bare minimum, we're just gonna let fate decide. Yeah. Like, fuck that. <laughs> I gotta sleep at night. Like I'll I'll jump on the grenade if it means you know not losing him and being like sorry howard he's dead <laughs> has anybody heard from artie lately Mm-mm. man i i i think it's a good thing though i think the less you hear from him right now the, the healthier healthier absolutely he is. absolutely but I've, I've talked to people uh, with him right now they say he's doing good so that's great that's great I never saw him beaten. I mean, I never saw him living this long. So that's great. A lot of people didn't. A lot of people didn't. And uh, Artie's one of the greatest uh, things about the Stern Show and all its history was Artie. His his storytelling, his uh, honesty. Uh, he was just a perfect, perfect fit for that show. Dude, if you'd have told me you would end up in Alabama and Artie would still be alive in 2023, I'd have been like, I would have never believed that shit. Yeah, that's just that's, crazy. That's not on any sports book, that's for sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. It wasn't even an option. Two long shots. <laughs> but he was, one of the, he was one of the coolest guys when I first got out there. I didn't have any family yeah. out there. And um, it was uh, Thanksgiving. And he was like, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? And I said, uh, nothing. He says, well, you're coming to my my family's house. You're going to have Thanksgiving with me and my family. And uh, we, we took me to his place and uh, really gave me some great advice on the way out there about, you know, doing radio, being a comic, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
had an amazing dinner at his house with his family. Then we drove back to the city. We ended up going to see a movie. How and, cool, man. and he was just like, he was a guy who couldn't believe the opportunity that he was given to be a part of the show. And that's the same way I felt. Same way almost everybody that works for Howard feels because he's, he's a genius in the sense of uh, hiring somebody who loves this so much that it's not a job for them. Like, it, they can't wait to get to work in the morning. That's how I was yeah. for the longest time, you know? That's I how he picked wait. all of his employees, Yeah, you know? Yeah, so it was very, very smart on his part. Um, you can hire the best money can buy, but they ain't going to have the passion of somebody who's listened for mm-hmm. 10, 20 years and, and is just, holy shit, uh, yeah. what do you need me to do, you know? And smart. that... Being on that show helped helped you move tickets for shows too, didn't it? Hundred percent. I mean, the the reality of like me getting to play the clubs I've played, me getting to work with the comedians I've worked with, Howie Mandel, uh, Dice, um, you know, two two hero comedy heroes. Hell line. yeah. Um, you know, none of that would have been possible without the Stern Show, without a doubt, without a doubt. So yeah. those yeah. Andrew Dice Clay videos that he's been doing, or oh, where he just they walks, owe me, where so they much. just walk up to somebody like, "Hey Charlie, oh. you looking hey. for? You were on the picture with me. You were on the picture. I hear you. You were asking to take a picture with me. <laughs> yes, you want, you were looking favorite. for the thing. Yeah, the thing. Well, I, I was, uh, you know, his his album for any comic. I always tell him the the Bible of comedy is the day the laughter died. Yeah. Part one, part two. Uh, you have to listen to those. Because the reality of it is, uh, it ain't easy at first, and you you have a lot of bombs, you have a lot of shitty sets. This is a great album to show you that the bombs are just as much of an entertaining show right. as the killer sets. It's nothing to be afraid of. There's no way to avoid it. It's sure. going to happen. Yep. So it's, it's an hour and a half of him leaning into... Uh, just a catastrophe of a show, and it's broke. and he knew it was coming. He, he said, it "We're up going on way. stage with no material." He set it up that way. It was it was a time where comedians were tripling up laugh tracks on their albums, and and you could hear like one of my favorite lines in the albums. He goes, "Great." You could hear the air conditioner. <laughs> this whole album's ruined. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he being able to work with him and it and it's one of my craziest and and most fun times in comedy because I knew from friends like Florentine and Norton that he loves to fuck around with people. Right? Mm-hmm. He has fun doing this. That is, so many comics working today stopped having fun doing this. Yeah, he. He still loves it, but part of that fun is fucking with people. So we were doing two shows in Canada, uh, Toronto and Montreal, theater shows, sold out. I'd been plugging this thing on on Stern and the wrap-up show for months. I was so excited. Yeah. And we get to the show, and uh, one of the people goes, uh, it's like six minutes before the show starts, they go, Dice wants to see you in the dressing room. So I go in the dressing room, he goes, uh, shush yo. He goes, how you doing? I said, good. He said, uh, what are you going to talk about tonight? And I go, uh, you know, like sex and drugs. And he goes, I got a better idea. He goes, go out there. First thing you do is you go, who is from Canada? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Like> you're pandering. <laughs> right? <laughs> he goes, he goes, and then, then, then go, uh, 
Who here loves hockey? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing when you're saying that? I'm just staring at him, right? Because I'm waiting to see like a smile or something. Yeah, but he's dead serious, right? <laughs> and he goes, uh, and he goes, and then then be like, uh, who's here to see dice? And I go, okay, okay. And he goes, and then, then talk about the song I'm coming out to. And I go, I'm I'm sorry, what? He goes, the song I'm gonna come out to. My kids did the song. One's 14, one's 11, drums, guitar. Talk about that. <laughs> and I go, uh, for for how long? And he goes, I don't know, do like uh, three minutes. Three minutes. <laughs> and I'm just staring at him and I'm like, I don't see this as a bit. I don't see it landing. And uh, and I go, all right. And I and I walk out. And now I'm like, I've been plugging this show for three months. Oh, yeah. I go, this guy wants me to go out there and talk about this song for three minutes. And just eat your nutsack on stage. And, uh, and, uh, and then I was like, well, here's the conclusion I came to, right? It's not my show. It's his show, number right. one. Number two, I'm getting the same amount of money whether I have the best set of my life or I die a miserable death. Right, right. And three, this is him having fun. He wants to test me. He wants to see if I would do it. So I, I said, fuck it. I go out there. Who here's from Canada? Everybody. How about that? Everybody. <laughs> We're in Toronto. <laughs> That's great. I go, who loves hockey? Again, everybody's like, whoa, this is so fucking hacked. Yeah, like, what is this? Shit. And I go, who's here to see Dice? And again, they're like, yeah, we're all here. For, not for you, for Dice. They're like, yeah. And I go, well, let me tell you about the song he's coming out to. And <laughs> is this on stage? And this is on stage. And, and just silence because- the audience and I at that point realized at the same time, neither of us have heard this song. <laughs> right. You didn't ask to listen to it for you went out so you could have I, some I was reference? I asked to listen to it. I couldn't believe what he was asking me to do. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm trying to make funny a song that none of us have heard. Is Dice over there on the side of the stage watching you eat Well, it? I don't know because I'm staring at the clock on the fucking floor <laughs> of the chair. Three minutes. Got to get to three minutes. It's, it's, it's at 42 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> it's at 42 seconds, and I hear from the balcony, get the fuck off stage. <laughs> oh, no. And I, and I got, I go, uh, the drummer's 14. I go, what? Everyone's like, huh? I go, I, I was coming in socks at 14. They're like, okay, can we wrap this up? <laughs> I was coming in socks. You're trying to throw in. I'm trying anything. So I look, and it's like I love this two so minutes, <laughs> two minutes, you know, 250, something like that. And I go, I go, guys, I said, listen, I'm a huge fan of Dice. I hope you enjoy the show tonight. Uh, all right, thank you. Thank you, everybody. And they clap, and I, I walk off side stage. And Dice is on the side of the stage. His glasses are off, and he's wiping tears <laughs> out of his eyes. And he looks up at me, and he goes, he looks up at me, and he goes, you had him. <laughs> like, what did you do to lose him? He goes, they were in the palm of your hand. He goes, you had him. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs>
<laughs> and I was like shaking after that. Like I, I was in shock. That was your that. whole set? Yeah. Three minutes. That was it. About oh, I thought you eventually went into material, no, so well, you left the stage. No, he, well, he told him to fill three minutes with that. Said, Go get off the stage. He said, do three. What's he going to do? Do 30 on yeah. a song? Like He's like, yeah. why don't you just shoot me in the head while I'm on stage? <laughs> and uh, But the, the cool thing, the next night we're in Montreal. And that night we went out to dinner. He was dying laughing about it and the next night in montreal <laughs> i come up to him and i go what would you like me to do tonight and he goes uh i don't know do 25 30 and i go about the song he goes no stupid do your act <laughs> i, I would have loved if it was like inner sandman would have been his thing like it wasn't even a kid's song and yeah, yeah. Built song up. Uh, a real song started jamming but he sat there for my entire set he watched my whole set he was very complimentary afterwards and i've had comic friends that well, i've told that story and they're like i'd have told him to go fuck himself and it's like no, you wouldn't. Then, it, first of all, you wouldn't. But second, right. then you don't have the story. Like, right? Yeah. So, was there a song? Yeah, yeah. His kids, yeah, his kids have a band. Uh, oh yeah, he's talked about them. They're a lot. really good. Yeah, they they're are really good. But <laughs> I mean, you know, probably would have helped if I had heard the song. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't bother listening to the song. He was too caught up in the fact that he really wanted to do this. Yeah, shit. I gotta be like, how about that fill? Did you guys hear that fill they did? That was fucking funny, huh? <laughs> the fucking guitar solo was uh, fucking epic. Uh, were people calling in the show the next day, being like, "What? What the fuck was Shirley talking about for three minutes in front of Dice?" And I don't remember. I'm sure there was email sent. I'm sure of it. But it was so surreal that, like, you know, because I remember the first time meeting him, Florentine was was working with him in Vegas. And uh, I asked Jim if he could give me tickets. I wanted to go see Dice. So, Jim, I don't know if you got how well you know Florentine, but he lives. I talked to him a couple weeks ago. Actually. He lives for the prank. He, he loves – I mean, you think Dice tortures comics? I've watched Jim Florentine and Don Jameson – they do a show, and the host is like a year into comedy, two years into comedy, and just on the drop of a hat, Jim will go, so uh, what uh, What kind of jokes you doing tonight? That sounds like Jim. <laughs> and the kid's like, oh, I got this bit about uh, me and my mom. We were driving, and I, and I hit a dog, and he goes, oh, uh, Jameson has a bit similar to that. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta dump it. He you goes, gotta... it's with a cat, but it's similar. And he's like, you, you can't do. It. And he's like, no problem, no problem. You know, they're all they're very new, so right, they just want to yeah. be accommodated. He goes, okay. He goes, what else you got? And they do this. <laughs> it strikes their whole set for list. I, I mean, there's there's a legendary story of they do this to this kid, and at one point the kid goes. I can I can drive home and get my other notebook. He goes, because uh, <laughs> I'm out of shit on this one. <laughs> they made him scratch out everything. Uh, oh my god, I what, can't imagine. Florentine gets me tickets to the show, and I show up, and of course I'm sitting right at the front, right in the front, right. And but I'm going, ah, Jim just probably got me good seats. He's being a nice guy. Oh no. Dice comes out. It's at the Stardust Hotel. Right. Dice comes out, walks uh, walks the state, paces for like 10 seconds, does this with his hand. The music stops instantly. The second his hand gets, which I'm like, that's badass. Yeah, it is pretty badass. And he grabs the mic and he looks at me and he goes, how you doing? And I go, good, how are you? He goes, tonight's not about me. Tonight's about you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is I'm show. like, Florentine fucking set me up. And right as he's about to go into me, some guy from the other side goes, 
do a poem. And Dice goes, excuse me one second, and turns around and does 20 minutes on what a piece of shit this guy is. <laughs> <laughs> For yelling at him? Yeah. Yeah, he goes, he goes, where are you from? Guy's like, uh, I'm in Tucson. I go, fucking farmer. <laughs> if you ain't in New York or LA, you're a fucking farmer. <laughs> but I I, uh, I get to go backstage afterwards. This is my first time meeting him. And I walk in the, the green room and it's Florentine, Norton, uh, Dice. And uh, and Dice is just holding court talking. I don't say anything. I just walk in and I just sit there and... And uh, in the middle of this whole thing, he just stops, and you're me, and he just stops, and he goes, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> and I go, oh, my, my name's Shuli. I'm a comic. I'm, I'm a friend of Florentine's. Uh, I, I live out here in Vegas. He goes, oh, you're a comic in Vegas? Where do you work? I said, well, I, I work mostly now uh, at Sandy Hackett's Comedy Club. Uh, Sandy Hackett is Buddy Hackett's son, right? Yeah. And he goes, uh, oh, Sandy. He goes, do me a favor. Give Sandy a message for me. I go, yeah, sure. He goes, tell him he's a fucking zero. <laughs> and that came from Dice. You got to go call that in. Yeah, tell him he's always been a fucking zero. And he doesn't have the pinky nail worth of talent that his father had. May rest in peace. You tell him Dice fucking said that. <laughs> and I go, uh, I go, oh and I'm in, again, I'm in shock. And I go, okay. And he goes, nah, just tell him I said hi. <laughs> Dude, I love these fucking stories. How many fucking Dice stories do you have? Oh, man, when we were, when we were waiting for that flight to Montreal, we were standing, waiting to board the plane. And there was, this, there was this flight attendants coming off of the last flight. And it, so it was one of the funniest raps I ever heard. And he just did it just for me, right? It was like amazing. He goes, look at her. Look at her. Because her parents wanted to be a, a doctor or a lawyer. And instead, she's flying from cock to cock. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking pig <laughs> and, and in Montreal what was funny is he goes before he goes out on stage he looks at me and he goes he goes what should I do tonight like that like you know it's 3,000 people sold out and he hadn't thought about his act for he the goes, night what should I do tonight <laughs> and I go uh I go, you should do that rap about the uh, the stewardess, the flight attendant. I go, that was fucking hilarious. He goes, I got it. I got it. He goes out on stage, does the whole thing, paces for a minute, kills the music. And then he goes to the mic stand. He goes, uh, he goes a lot of guys will, will take the mic out. They'll move the stand. And I mean, he's taking his time. It's like two, three minutes. He goes, some people leave it in right there. <laughs> He goes, but nobody, nobody gives you the tilt. And he just tilts the microphone down. A <laughs> he will take anything and make it gold. Like that I, guy. I've heard him. I've heard him like not 
like see how long he can go without saying a word and, and keep the enthusiasm in the room. Yeah. And he can do it for like minutes at a time. He could just, everybody's so excited to see him. <laughs> he, we, we did governors once. He, he, I worked with him at governors in Long Island and uh, <laughs> I, go, I get to the green room and I walk in, I go, Hey, and he goes, don't do nothing on texting or Obama. I'm doing that tonight. <laughs> I go, I go. All right, and and at governor's the the door from the green room leads right out to the stage, right? So there's a door on the stage. So I'm hosting. It's it's me. It's uh, Jameson, Florentine, and Dice, and and that's the other thing. He only works with his friends. He only works with people he enjoys. I love that. That's yeah, why I that's started great. doing this. Is because. I wanted to have a job where I could hang out with my pals, you mm-hmm. know? And he comes up to me, he goes, listen, when you're out there tonight, there isn't going to be a, a light. He goes, at some point, Don is just going to come out from the door on stage. <laughs> he goes, shake things up for you. <laughs> no, I go, I, go, <laughs> I, go, I go, why? He goes, ah, I want it to feel like a hang, you know? He goes, I want you to be like a... Oh, <laughs> from from VH1 Classic That Metal Show, Don Jameson. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. In the in the list of things Dice can ask you to do, this doesn't seem too bad. And uh, and I'm like, yeah, no problem. I go out there, not realizing that when you're on stage trying to do material. And you don't know when someone's yeah. joining you. It gives you anxiety through the fucking gives you anxiety. Fucks up your time. It's yeah. like you, you're waiting for a sniper to come a out. Foot you know? to drop. Just, yeah. 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 <laughs> so it uh, wasn't one of my better sets, but he loved it. And that's all that matters. He, he was happy. Don Jameson gave me one of my best advice ever before I did stand up for the first time. He said, go up. Just go up once. It'll tell you whether or not you want to do it. Mm-hmm. I go, you mean if it's bad, I probably won't? If it, he goes, no, if it goes good or bad, it's going to tell you. Yeah. Am I in, is this something I want to do or not? And that's that's all the advice he gave me. And he was right. The first time yeah. I went up, it didn't go great. But I was like, it's doable. It's definitely doable. I want to do this. Well, the fact that people assume that it's going to go well your first time. it's like, Oh, I uh, knew it was. <laughs> did it go well the first time you tried to ride a bike? Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> probably not. But you... What what you have to learn is a, uh, am I scared shitless of standing in front of strangers on a stage? Right, because that's something you won't know until you do it. Mm-hmm. And then b, uh, can I return and try this again after like dice only hearing air conditioner hum during my <laughs> right. debut? You know, my first set was fuck the Laugh Factory in in on Sunset in uh, that's LA. where your first set you did was that a yeah, well, I mean, no, look, first of all, make it sound like I was up before Jay Moore or something. This was, <laughs> this was the open mic show. So you have to camp out in the morning on the sidewalk and the, and the open micers make their own list. And then at like one o'clock, they open the box office. They give them that list. Now you have the first 20 comedians on that lineup. Everybody gets three minutes. Then you have alternates in case you don't come back at seven o'clock to do this show. Jesus. And and all these dudes do is just sit there in this on this sidewalk and shit on every successful comedian. Which to me at the time was I was like, wow, these guys are insiders. They know some stuff. You know, I, <laughs> They're really I, just insiders. Yeah, I go, wow. I thought David Tell was funny. Apparently, this guy with a <laughs> this guy with a wooden bird on his shoulders yeah. telling me otherwise. <laughs> you know. Uh, 
and yeah, I went up, and it was terrifying. It was. I remember my leg shaking. Like I uh, did that too. My foot would bounce. The I, first I time remember I was up, I trying to Jedi mind trick the red light to go on because I just wanted to get off the stage. Um, you don't even realize at the time you can give the time back to, back to the mic. If you get done with your shit, you can be like, that's my time. And yeah. Right off. You don't just, think about that. No, I just knew you go on, the light tells you to go off. That's that's, that's what right, I knew. Right. So I just, I, I hunkered down and fucking ate it, ate a big shit sandwich. Uh, but, you know, on that drive home, I remember thinking, now what if I try this this way next time? And And the fact that, I was willing to go back and try this again after that. Right. Um, told me, yeah, I probably, I probably want to do this. Did you go watch one before you went up? Yeah, I always That's, tell, I tell, I always tell everybody comics, to do that. I always tell comics, if you want to try it, go to open mic, watch. The bar go, is low. <laughs> go go one week, maybe even two weeks. That's what I say. Two weeks. You know, two weeks. Watch and then and then give it a try, um, and and don't listen to anybody. Because <laughs> they're all angry, bitter, especially jealous. the people at those. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're yeah. all, they're all, yeah. Man, I've had this phone call with David Long so many times. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like, buddy, first you're going to meet so many people. I, I tell him this all the time. You're going to meet so many comics that you think are the next Andrew Dice Clay, mm -hmm. and you'll never see him again. You'll yeah. be like that guy. If that guy doesn't make it, nobody's going to make it, and you'll never see him again. Yeah, and then you'll meet guys who, like you said. Shit on everybody. Shit on all your favorite comics. Shit on the clubs. The clubs don't get them. That's why they're still doing this open mic at this yeah. bar for 20 years. And they're not like, it's just, and it's, I don't know if it's the same in music or not, but in comedy, it's just, there's so many characters that you're going to meet that you're, it's hard to kind of assess at first, but it's like you, you start grouping off into people you go, that's a solid dude regardless, and I can just hang out with him. Let me yeah, figure out something I, to do later. Yeah. No, we I, can hang out at minimum. I so. think it's important to have a clique, to have yeah. to have uh, some friends, because one, the writing becomes easier that way, you know, when when all of us would hang. Because we had a lot of shows. You know, I ran like four or five open mics in Vegas because there was no circuit there. But there were many a nights where there was no crowd. You know, we were doing local places. We weren't on the strip in a hotel. We we're doing local dive bars, and there were some nights where just nobody fucking came out. So black comics, yeah, black comics. Yeah. So now, you know, you take a, a Rolling Stone top one hundred guitarists. All right, you take one through five. You take five through ten. You take the boom. Go up there, riff, figure something out, whatever. Like let's let's do something. We're here. There's so few stages to hit. Right. Why are we just gonna go home? That was my mentality of like. So then we just started doing like big group writing things of like. Hey, I got something I'm working on. You'd be amazed how quickly somebody can find a punchline that you, you never even thought about. That you never even thought or of. Or at least send you down a road, you know? It's just, it's easier. It's easier sometimes for Casio to give me a punchline than it is for me to write one just because he's not that attached to it. Right. He's, he's from, uh, you know, he's outside of it, given his two cents. You need that sometimes. So having some people in the circuit, absolutely. I think that's crucial. It's the know? same for musicians, Cassio. You have those that will tell you, and David can attest to this, they play in the same bands, doing the same shit, and it's all it's somebody else's fault that they yeah. haven't seen success. Yeah. Right. The clubs don't get them. You know, the crowds aren't showing up. You know, they're more interested in playing 
uh, you know, playing shit that they want to hear. You know, when you're a musician, you have to cater to the crowd. You want to play music that they want to hear, but, you know, they want to be a tool cover band and won't, don't understand why chicks don't show up to their shows. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I uh, last comic standing, right? They, yeah. they did the first season. They were starting the second season. The comedian uh, I know out in Vegas, this guy Joe Lowers, he says to me, I'm driving down to L.A. to audition for Last Comic Standing. You want to come with me? And, you know, I'm all eat, sleep, shit comedy. I'm like, I'm yeah. with you, dog. Let's go. Get our sleeping bags. We get out to L.A. We come up to the club. It's night. It's like, you know, 3 a.m. by the time we get there. And there's a line around the corner of comics, you know, beginners. I mean, look, the reality of it is the people who run that show are not waiting in that line. Right. They have managers, they have agents, they're booked, it's set. Right. What that line is about is finding the freaks, the gag reel, the weirdos, right? Yep. The people that can't sing on American Idol. Right, right, right. So <clears throat> so at that time, I don't know anything about that. And we go and we camp out in this line all morning, like 9 a.m. They start auditions. And, uh, and I'm waiting to go in. It's like 10, 10.30. I'm waiting to go in and the guy in front of me is in an all white suit like uh, Fantasy Island, with a with a fake bird on his shoulder. And that I, wasn't just an example. Yeah, you made no, up. <laughs> but that's why I brought it up because I said to I said in my mind, I go, this guy doesn't have a fucking chance in hell, right? And he goes in, and then like a minute and a half goes by, and I hear him go next, and I walk in, and he hasn't left yet. He's about to walk out, and one of the producers goes, "We'll see you later tonight," and and I go, "Oh, this guy got a callback." <laughs> <laughs> you never know. And that's when I was like, oh, I'm not dumb enough for this. <laughs> right. You're in the middle somewhere. Yeah. You're not bad and not great. I'm like, shit. And I go up there and they're like, uh, they're like, uh, go ahead, begin. And I start my joke and one of the producers cuts me off and he goes, uh, he goes, what's your outfit about today? And I go, I'm sorry? And he goes, well, what's your outfit about? I said, well, it's about camping out in a sleeping bag all night. <laughs> yeah, That's a good answer, yeah. by the way. <laughs> and he goes, well, do you normally dress up to do comedy? I go, I can, sure, yeah, that's not a problem. And he goes, go ahead, continue. And I start again, and the other producer cuts me off, and he goes, who's your favorite comic growing up? And I said, uh, should I tell you what they were wearing when I saw them? <laughs> <laughs> that's a great answer. Thanks, man. They didn't think so. No, no, no. Uh, he goes, he goes next, right after that line, and I walked out, and and uh, I just remember I should have been pissed. I should have been, you know, fuck them, fuck this. But it hit me the second I walked out that door. There's nothing I would have camped out on a sidewalk for, other than stand up. So this is what I want to do. Like yeah, for right. me, it was, it was a, a a beautiful moment. It wasn't a shitty moment. No, it was teaching. Yeah, it was like okay. I'm not a sneakerhead. I'm not waiting for the new Star Wars. I'm not right. camping out on the sidewalk for anything. But this, he was like, hey, you want to do it? I hopped in the car and I left. You know, I was with him instantly. So it was a, it was a good eye-opening moment. Man, I love it. I love these stories. I, I, I know it's I know it's because I'm into comedy, but like I, I could listen to these stories for, <laughs> forever and ever and ever. Yeah. There's well, great. she's got she's a great storyteller. That's why it's a good hang. Thank you for coming to hang with us, brother. Thank you for yes. having me, man. Uh, I, I appreciate it.
So uh, tell them, uh, hit them where they can find you so they can consume all of your Shuli Network. So yeah, the Shuli Network is on YouTube. There is a Patreon. Uh, there is a membership platform on YouTube as well. Uh, we do a lot of free shit, but we do some paywall stuff as well, and there's a huge archive. Uh, BS Show is Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 11, and then we do uh, the Uncle Rico Show every afternoon at 4 um and yeah and we're having a blast and and thank you guys so much for having me and sure. hope to be back again and uh, we should never have waited this long to have you, yeah, you, you right up the it road it is your fault that's what <laughs> where do they go if they want to see stand updates uh stand updates so the guys who do the bs show myself mike morris bob levy anthony zenhauser all comedians uh we're going to be doing a show in poughkeepsie new york january 13th laugh it up comedy club um and then we're doing TIFFs in uh, New Jersey, the 14th. February, we're in Pennsylvania. We're doing a bunch of stuff. West Coast coming. Uh, all kinds of good stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming in today. And uh, make sure you like and subscribe and leave a comment. Uh, on our, It helps our alg- algorithm. It's a word I need to take a run and start at, by the wow. way. Algorithm's Jeez. a tough one. Let's like don't a, say that anymore. Yeah, yeah. let's just think of it. It did sound like a hate crime was happening. <laughs> 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 Thank y'all. We'll see you guys next week. Ooh.